Phoenix Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing Feastables, the newest better-for-you snack, and how cryptocurrency and the metaverse can help the food industry. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I've got some interesting topics uh, that I'm going to go over today. And the first one is how cryptocurrency and the metaverse can actually help the food industry. So when we think about cryptocurrencies and the metaverse, these are things that are based in the digital realm, whereas food is very firmly rooted in the physical. And they might not seem like they have, you know, to be the most intuitive pairing. But back in the early days of crypto, the very first case for Bitcoin was food related. In the spring of 2010, two Papa John's pizzas were purchased for 10,000 bitcoins, which would be worth a whopping $385,000,000 today. I was like, wait, (laughs) was it $385,000? No, it's million. Uh, So yeah, nearly $400 million uh, uh, 12 years ago in Bitcoin. Um, But that day, actually, May 22nd, uh, was enshrined in the crypto calendar as Bitcoin Pizza Day. Uh, So the event ended up becoming an annual celebration and restaurants and crypto firms were taking advantage of the marketing opportunities. But that day kind of lives in infamy because it sort of started the relationship between the food industry and crypto. So for this article, I just took a bit of a deeper look at the connections between food and cryptocurrency, as well as uh, where the metaverse fits, fits in, which is a relatively new concept and buzzword that we've been seeing recently. So aside from Bitcoin Pizza Day, the crypto space has always seemed to have an appetite for food-related fads. Um, There are now a lot of classified um, dead coins, meaning that they don't exist anymore, um, of defunct tokens that were based around food, like Bacon Bits Coin, Barbecue Coin, Onion and onion coin. Pizza coin actually still exists and you can still track it. But um, the decentralized finance or DeFi era brought a fresh batch of food related protocols to the table, including sushi swap and pancake swap. And they're both commonly used decentralized exchanges. But names aside, over the past few years, there's been a lot of development at the intersections of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and food. So, for example, food traceability is a very prevalent area in which they converge. And there's many examples of that, like IBM's Food Trust, Nestle, and French supermarket chain Carrefour began using blockchain technology in 2019 to increase that trust and transparency for uh, conscious consumers. And then Nestle also expanded its use of blockchain for its coffee brand in 2020. And slowly, um, a lot of food companies, both large and small, began to allow consumers to pay with cryptocurrency. Uh, Last year, I wrote about um, Brave Robot, which is a fermented dairy protein maker, and they announced that consumers could now pay for their brand's ice cream pints with crypto. And similarly, fast food giant McDonald's began accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment in all 19 restaurants in El Salvador. But blockchain and crypto rely heavily on 
on customer relationships when it comes to the food service industry. Um, and in terms of when COVID struck, restaurants found themselves distanced from their customers, uh, you know, thanks to the rising dominance of third-party delivery platforms like Uber Eats. So the platform model means that these tech firms take over the customer relationship, uh, which includes the payment process, data handling, and loyalty programs as well. So food operators in that case were sort of squeezed into the background so that their product is really the only thing that ends up visible to the consumer. But blockchain and crypto are sort of helping to restore that balance between restaurants and customers. So a blockchain-based marketplace for food operators would provide a user-friendly one-stop shop to find a variety of food choices, but it allows the customer to interact freely with the restaurant. Um, additionally, merchants would have full autonomy over their menus, prices, and terms. So consumers would pay the merchants directly without paying into the hands of a third party, which, as many of us know, comes with extra costs. Now, in terms of the metaverse, if you don't know what it is, it's essentially a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. It also doesn't really seem like a place in which food would need to be consumed, obviously, since it's virtual. But as our lives shift uh, more and more towards the digital sphere, the food industry always moves with the times. How will food service operators function in the metaverse? Well, we've already seen a few examples. Our colleague Mira last year wrote about um, the chain Chipotle. Um, on Halloween, they opened a virtual restaurant for Roblox players, which is a very popular video game. And so users that entered the restaurant had this Halloween-themed experience, and then they received a promo code for a free burrito in the real world. And the progression of food service into the metaverse will sort of be a continuation of the journey, uh, the digitization journey that's already begun. So along with the platform model uh, taking over for food delivery and takeout, it's also going to become common uh, to begin the restaurant experience, you know, online by just researching options on Google or another search engine. And when you're ready to order, you can take your avatar, let's say, down to a virtual street food market where you can check out various operators and their menus and um, they're represented as virtual dishes. And then you can make your selection, you can pay with crypto and your meal will arrive in the real world. So it's truly a gamification um, of the whole, you know, food ordering. And to some that may be excessive to others it might be fun and these are just um, scenarios hypothetical scenarios I've not found a real example of that yet um, but they're kind of just the beginning of the food service industry um, going into this digital shift and I'm sure we've there's a lot that is still left to be unfolded but blockchain and crypto offer a chance like I said to restore that relationship between food service operators and their customers and and beyond that the metaverse has the potential to create extraordinary new value for the food industry just think of all the marketing opportunities so um yeah I just wanted to you know hear your your thoughts on first of all just crypto in general and the metaverse it's kind of like a new thing that you know is, is has been popping up um did you really think or before you heard me talk about did you think that you know there would be such a strong association between food and you know crypto and the metaverse yeah i had no idea until you know you brought this up and uh, just reading your article i had no idea that the first ever um transaction was a food transaction the papa mm -hmm. john's pizzas and um 
And I, it didn't occur to me that crypto has been around for more than a decade now, which is a long time if you think about it, even though we still um, talk about it as being a new kind of a technology, I guess, in terms of its, you know, implementation and, and kind of acceptance and things like that. But that is super cool. And um, yeah, it just goes to show that maybe if I just bought one coin back then. <laughs> I think we're all kicking ourselves yeah, there. Kicking yeah, kicking ourselves there. But uh, yeah, I think this is really, really interesting. And so you said that like they had specific coins for like a pizza coin and a barbecue coin. So basically different coins would be used like for specific items and is that no it's truly just the name it's truly just the name yeah it's like you know how how there's um uh dogecoin dogecoin that's yeah it's just kind of yeah just based off of oh okay yeah i think i think they just um you know recognize people's love for food right they're like if we call it something based off of food maybe uh it'll you know gain popularity but so and some yeah pizza coin is still alive but the other ones uh fell by the wayside unfortunately Mm -hmm. And you know what, this just goes to show how like innovation is so, um, is at the core of like food tech and, and the mm-hmm. food industry in general. And, and I think we don't really realize that because I think food is just a thing that's like always there, you know, we need to eat, order, buy, purchase, but it's really, you know, eye-opening to see how um, at the forefront of technology, uh, the industry really is, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, more so than I would say on the pharma side and, and things like that. So I think this is really cool how they've adopted blockchain technology into um, sort of their um, traceability uh, and and uh, sort of um, pipelines and things like that. So I think it's really, really interesting that connection that Bitcoin has um, with the food industry. And you did mention that El Salvador is now accepting Bitcoin because I think it's like the first uh, country now to um, have uh, Bitcoin as a currency, as mm-hmm. an acceptable currency now, right? So In their, in their yeah. McDonald's restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. I think in the country in general. I think the country too. The country oh, yeah. itself has adopted, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Bitcoin, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you brought up a lot of excellent points. I mean, crypto, yeah, it's been around for, I guess, 12 years now or going yeah. on 12 years. And now it's legitimately like it's a job for a lot of people trading crypto trading and mining and and volatile as it may be, you yep. know, it's a living for some people. Um, but it, it's also really cool to see like newer uh, companies like Brave Robot, who are like such mm-hmm. a food tech company it it almost really makes sense that they would allow consumers to pay in in mm. crypto too uh it'll be probably a while until we see like more mainstream uh, like you know bigger companies allowing that um outside of mcdonald's el salvador but um yeah just the whole like uh i think a lot of people still need to get a good grip on crypto before it becomes you know more more mm-hmm. normalized yeah yeah, so I'm like one of those people. So I just have a question. Um, <laughs> you mentioned blockchain technology. That's like you can do something without any traceability. Like it's. I think it's it like makes that. traceability more more effortless because um, at every point in the you know uh, from from when it's made to when it's packaged to when it's transported to when it's bought. Um, 
it allows for much more seamless traceability. Um, for food. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For food, for, for whatever it would be, um, used for, and especially for industries, um, where, you know, like coffee, like Nestle's coffee brand uh, started implementing, um, you know, more traceability. It makes sense because coffee has kind of historically been one of those sectors that, uh, you know, get a little controversial in terms of, you know, how it's made and where it comes from. And I think that's the whole point with for for consumers who want to know, it's readily available for them to know, um, you know, every point in the supply chain, like what was going on. Okay, that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think about this whole metaverse thing? <laughs> yeah, that. I am going to enjoy real life while yeah. I still can. That's what yeah, I think I mean, about you know, that. We've kind of been living in a pseudo metaverse during the pandemic for two mm-hmm. years. So I don't know. It's, it's either we've gotten used to it, so we'll be better at adopting it, or we just want to break free and, and like be in the real world, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I foresee it either like propelling to insane heights or just absolutely being a huge failure. Us, I don't think yeah. it could go. I don't think it's going to stay somewhere in between. I think a lot of like, you know, tech companies have these huge visions of, of what it can become. And um, I can see the vision. I think all three of us are personally not too interested in, in being, you know, in a virtual world. Yeah, um, <laughs> since like, yeah, we want to experience real life, but I can foresee the, you know, future generations potentially having grown up with, you know, being on their iPads since being toddlers and and things like that. And just having that inherent knowledge of technology, Mm -hmm. maybe it'll become normal to them. uh, Whereas we like that balance of, you know, kind of virtual and real life. So, um, but in terms of food, though, I think at this point, it's more just about like, it being a, a more fun experience rather than just like a necessity. So mm-hmm. just being able to like visualize things and let's say it's like a super snowy day, you know, instead of just opening Uber Eats or something, you enter the metaverse as your character <laughs> living your second life. And, you know, you can just walk down the street. It's like a game. It's, it's, I don't mm-hmm. know. I can see the appeal of that, but then it's like, that's probably going to take a lot of extra time. And if you don't have the patience for that, then that's what Uber Eats is for. (laughs) (laughs) But moving on to another sort of, well, he's not in the metaverse. He's in the, I guess, the real world. Um, So a very popular YouTuber by the name of Mr. Beast, his real name is Jimmy Donaldson. He recently launched a um, snack brand called Feastables. So he is an incredibly popular YouTuber and he's known for a lot of philanthropic work and very elaborate YouTube videos and he kicked off the launch of Feastable Feastables with a Willy Wonka style giveaway with one million dollars in prizes and a chance to win his Mr. Beast chocolate factory. So the first product to launch from the director consumer brand is the Mr. Beast bar and it's a better for you gluten-free chocolate bar that comes in three flavors, almond chocolate, original chocolate and quinoa crunch chocolate. So given that he grew up with Crohn's disease, um, the Feastables team formulated the product accordingly. And they also tapped into snack industry vet and former president of RX bar, Jimmy Murray to lead the strategy. So the startup is being incubated within Donaldson's management company called Knight, and it's also working with the Rainforest Alliance to sustainably source the cocoa, and it will support the Beast Philanthropy 
uh, through the food and cash donations. But Feastables is much more than a better for you chocolate brand. It's going to be rooted in gamified experiences, which is unsurprising given that Mr. Beast has amassed a YouTube empire of nearly 90 million subscribers upon stunts, giveaways, contests, um, with a lot of eye-popping rewards. When consumers uh, purchase Mr. Beast bars, um, they're invited to enter codes that appear on the product packaging on a dedicated website to see if they've won any instant prizes. So it's essentially the digital version of finding a golden ticket. And every entry uh, goes towards a draw for the grand sweepstakes. And 10 of them will be selected to compete in a Mr. Beast chocolate factory themed YouTube video. So if you know Mr. Beast, he did a very elaborate um, Squid Games video as well, and his budgets are absolutely massive. So this is definitely something that people would want to get in on. And then there's other instant prizes too, um, arriving with each Feastables drop, which include a Tesla, Sea-Doo's, Super 73 electric bikes, Artisan Builds gaming computers, Turtle Beach gaming bundles, Beats by Dre earbuds, a lifetime supply of chocolate, cash, and Mr. Beach, and Mr. Beast merchandise, among other things. So he told the Fast Company that when coming up with the idea, he asked himself, what is something I think my audience will get most excited about that they'll like? What's interesting? What's the most spectacular thing we can do? And it doesn't get more of a spectacle than flying people in to compete for a chocolate factory. So this marketing strategy, along with the fact that Mr. Beast is the face of a brand with a built-in following, gives the company a certain level of authenticity that other food and beverage brands may not have. And his entry into the food industry also highlights the role that social media has in making trends like this possible. It's clearly changed the game for the food industry and brands can actually, you know, market effectively and cheaply, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Mr. Beast can definitely take things a step further by using his own celebrity and giant social media presence to create a brand around himself. And this actually isn't even his first food industry venture. He also operates a virtual burger brand called Mr. Beast Burger. Uh, but in terms of the chocolate bars, they're available on the company's direct-to-consumer website, and the prices range from $2.98 to $49.99 for individual bars and bundles, respectively. And you can also purchase uh, the bars uh, on Walmart's website for $2.98, and they can be ordered exclusively through the instant delivery company GoPuff for delivery in as little as 15 to 20 minutes. But I thought this was such an interesting thing to cover because um, he is such a well-known and well-admired YouTube personality. And um, it's, it's definitely not the first time that someone who got their start on YouTube has, you know, got into the food game. But he's known, I think, for his, like, authenticity and for his charity work. And um, I don't really know how much is, you know, it's, it's about the chocolate bar as it is you know, just about his philanthropy and like his giveaways and just what he does. But I did find like this level of authenticity to it. So um, and I'm also sure there was a lot of work put into the bar itself. But yeah, what are your thoughts on like, you know, people who otherwise may not have gotten into different industries from social media? Like, is it are we seeing too many? Um, do they have a place to compete in the food industry? What do you think? Well, I think they're definitely welcome. Like when I was listening to this, I thought, well, like the other chocolate brands, like those companies should also take notes down. Like this is quite 
quite a different strategy than what we're used to seeing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember the last time I bought a chocolate bar where I could actually win something or Mm -hmm. or even like win, you know, maybe another free chocolate bar. But I think it's so exciting for kids and adults as well that I think like you just want to buy it just to, you know, see if you can win something. Mm -hmm. That's That's the part of the strategy I like the most. Yeah, I think it's like the ultimate consumer engagement, right? Like where he's reaching out directly, communicating with his consumers and then having these prizes. And I think it's so, so cool. And um, again, like he's also on trend with the better for you, uh, you know, the market for that as well. So I think uh, this is brilliant. And um, yeah, I'm not too familiar with him, but he seems like um, he definitely has a great brand going on in terms of like his, yeah, philanthropy is well built into that. So um, I can definitely see how this appeal will appeal to a lot of people. And of course his, his, uh, mainstay audience on YouTube so Mm -hmm. yeah the the good thing about him is that he I mean he is very humble and and normal beginnings Mm -hmm. and and he's very family friendly not controversial at all Um, whereas you know a lot of YouTubers um, have either been uh, in sort of either involved directly or indirectly with like brands that mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be really bad or were scamming their, their customers. So I feel like he, his brand is just like, no one would ever expect that from him. And I think it actually will be very successful. And I'd like to try it too, just for yeah. the fun of it. Like it's, it's, he really, um, he took an old concept and made it, um, new and fun and interesting again for for kids for families and like I, I hope that I hope that it, it is successful and yeah, I'm sure with- a lot of giveaways and money will come from it too for sure and like with yeah like the Willy Wonka like I mm-hmm. used to love that book like yeah. growing up I've, I, I don't know how many times I've read it but it's such a cult classic and it's mm-hmm. like you know I used to be like why don't we have so I, I used to I used to actually believe there was a Willy Wonka factory like when I was really really young and then I was like and then grew up, like why don't we have this like <laughs> this is like so great that like he's yeah also brought in that like nostalgia and like all of that is was well so I I wouldn't have thought like you know kids would even know Willy Wonka but he's bringing it back Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder sorry go ahead I'm sorry I wonder if the chocolate bars even come with the golden tickets golden tickets sorry that's yeah I mean (laughs) I think the golden tickets are now just you know uh numbers on the on on the you know back of the back of the card but um (laughs) You can believe that when, you know, the YouTube video does come out, when the winners have been selected, it's going to be grand, like an absolute, yeah, like an absolute event. He, because he recreated like um, a few sets from Squid Games and he did it so elaborately. And I, that's why I'm saying, like, I think that the the chocolate chocolate factory is going to be like extremely Mm -hmm. elaborate and probably like such a amazing thing to watch and he racks up like millions and millions and millions of views like he yeah I I truly have no criticism for him my gosh he's like I'm looking him up he's just 23 (laughs) (gasps) wow super young guy I mean he got his start on YouTube just in a very typical way just um sort of doing video game uh like streaming video games and things like that Mm -hmm. and then he got these very odd ideas uh you know one of his earlier videos was just like counting to uh 10,000 or a million 
Um, I think he had two separate videos like that. And just these weird, like, <laughs> ideas that it's like, he he's just was always kind of like that, just doing random things like that. And people became interested. And he, yeah, I, I, I don't know the guy, but I'm proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. You can appreciate what he's doing for sure. Yeah. 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 And also, I mean, like the price is extremely reasonable. Um, there's another YouTuber, much more controversial YouTuber. Her name is Tana Mojo. And she just uh, released this, uh, these canned wines. And I was looking at the prices of them and it is like absolutely unreasonable. Um, so I really appreciate that, you know, he's keeping the prices like just mm -hmm. at, at a normal level. I think he's doing everything right. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.